In this episode, I'm interviewing Lorenzo Gomez, who went from stocking cilantro on the shelves of a local grocery store to being a leader in the tech scene in San Antonio, Texas. One of the things I want you to notice is how successful people always learn in response to a challenge happening in the moment and how simple the solutions almost always are. In this episode, you hear Lorenzo talk about how he needed to come up with a powerful speech almost on the spot and how his method for storytelling saved the day. You're listening to Action Path, hosted by Steve Cunningham. Who are you and what do you do? I'm Lorenzo Gomez III, and I am uh, the CEO of Geekdom Media. So we're here today to talk about selling ideas. Take us back to the moment when you realized that this was an important thing for you to get better at. Well, I think that I think that most people don't realize in their career that you're constantly selling yourself and your ideas. And a lot of people don't do it well. And so they get frustrated because their boss or their manager won't take their idea seriously or won't do, you know, I can help the company. And I probably was very unsuccessful at that in my career. I think where it really hit was when I started working for Geekdom, the co-working space um, and 8020 Foundation, our main mission was to create a tech scene in downtown San Antonio, uh, which is pretty abstract and, you know, and, and, you know, kind of nebulous. Well, I was asked to speak one time at this organization called the Platinum Top 50 Realtors. And these are the 50 realtors in San Antonio that account, you know, for like 80% of the sales. And so they were very hungry for knowledge. And so I went to speak to them and I got there and I realized, oh my gosh, this is a very powerful group. At first I did it as a favor and I was kind of like, oh, like, why am I here talking to realtors? This has nothing to do with me. It's kind of a waste of my time. And then I realized that realtors are the most powerful sales force in selling a city. And when you get into a car with a realtor and you say, hey, what about this neighborhood? The realtor has ultimate power to say, this neighborhood sucks or this the schools here are terrible. And I went, right now I'm building a tech scene downtown and all the realtors in San Antonio think the, the brand of downtown is bad. And I went, I have to sell a new story to all of these realtors. And that's when the penny dropped and I went, oh my gosh, I need to change all of their minds. And then, and these were the top 50 and I realized I needed to change all the realtors' minds, which is like an army of, you know, thousands of them. So this, to me, that's when um, the rubber met the road for me on how to use storytelling to sell an idea. And so what we know is that the world's most successful people solve this very simple formula where knowledge times action equals results. So I want to walk through this with you. Tell me, so you're there at this meeting, you realize you need to get better at telling the story of San Antonio becoming a world-class tech city. Where did you go to get the knowledge to get better at that? And how did you kind of piece together what we call the golden rules? Mm. Yeah. So my, my storytelling, I'm so proud of it because uh, I kind of patched it together with my mentor Graham over a couple of years and using a bunch of different things. And so I think the, so the first part of what, how I learned how to sell it is really uh, the big idea or the microscript. And, and what that means to me is, so I've got, I've been a church going dude my whole life. And the church that I go to, uh, my pastor is a really dynamic storyteller named Doug Robbins. And, and a lot of churches use this and every Sunday he has one slide and it says the big idea. It's one of those, if you forget everything else in this sermon, remember this. And it's always 
four to six words. I mean, it's it's not a big thing. And it's like, God loves you. Remember that you're forgiven or remember that, you know, uh, you're not as bad as you think you are. To me that I, I, I stole that, which was when I'm selling, I need you to remember one thing and I need to be able to distill this pitch to one thing. A couple years after that, I, I read a very, what has been a very influential book to me in my career, which is called The Microscript Rules. And Bill Schley, who's a friend of both of ours, uh, wrote this book. And, th- and this book really changed how I sell. And The Microscript is really how to tell your story um, and, and sell your idea in a sentence or less. And a microscript, you know, as Bill would define it, is really, you know, it's a sentence or less that launches a story in your head that is so vivid and so repeatable that you don't have to sell because it just keeps selling for you. You know, the bridge to nowhere is a great example. Um, politicians use this real well, no child left behind, you know, what melts in your, you know, melts in your mouth on your hand, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Those are all microscripts, very vivid things. And what I realized is that my pastor, his big idea was always in microscript format. And so the better I got at it, the better I was able to name those. But a lot of times it was just as simple as saying, I'm here to tell you about the downtown tech scene. That's it, right? Don't overthink it. And that was my way of checking what is my big idea. Am I here to just talk about geekdom? Well, then just say, I'm here to talk about geekdom. And so that was the first step of making it easy for me to sell an idea, which is I had to distill the big idea in a microscript. And and normally that became the first slide of my presentation or my pitch. I'm going to tell you about San Antonio. I'm going to tell you about a tech scene, right? Then the next part of it for me was... What, what Graham and I, my mentor, call the Duarte method. And this is uh, this comes specifically from a firm in California called Duarte. The founder is a woman named Nancy Duarte. And, and Nancy Duarte has an amazing TED Talk called The Secret Structure of Great Talks. And in this TED Talk, she dissects Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech and Steve Jobs' unveiling of the iPhone. And there are two parts of their process. And so a couple years after I heard this, when we were working on the tech scene, probably, gosh, six, seven years ago, we hired her firm and they flew to San Antonio. And so I was so giddy because I had watched this TED Talk a million times. And so I'm working with her team and they always, they always talked about these two parts of their process, the from and the to. In her TED Talk, she refers to it as the current state of the world or the, in the new bliss. And so to me, when you're selling an idea, it's really about, hey, the current state of the world is always bad. That's the, that's the from. The new bliss is when you implement my idea, when you buy my product, when you use my company, then the world will be better. And so when she's going through her TED Talk, it's really awesome because she's describing Martin Luther King. And Martin Luther King Jr. is talking about the current state of America and how, you know, there was this civil rights discrepancy and that's the from. And then he says, I have a dream that one day my kids will be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. So he says, this is the new bliss. This is this future state where the world is great. And he goes from to, from to. Then she talks about Steve Jobs and how, you know, phones suck and they're they're terrible. And then, you know, this famous line, imagine 10,000 songs in your pocket, right? She talks about how the first time he turns on the iPhone, it just sucked all the, like, everybody gasped like uh, it was so visceral the, the reaction that the audience had you know the, all the energy all the oxygen was sucked out of the room he's described he's painting this new picture of what the world is going to become with the, the invention of the iphone and so for me when i was selling san antonio to those realtors the very first thing i had to do was do my from two and i realized 
that I went, okay, well, what's my from? What's the current state of the world? And I realized that San Antonio is a bad brand. And so when I, when I first had to do this pitch to these realtors, um, I said, oh my gosh, the brand of San Antonio is the Alamo, which we all love. But if you go to the Alamo, you're going to first, your very first thought's going to be, I thought it'd be bigger than that. And then the other from is we are only known as the Riverwalk, right? Which really no local goes to. No, no local goes to the part of the Riverwalk that you know. We're also known as a family town, right? This is not known like Austin 6th Street or New York City or San Francisco where, you know, where there's cohorts of young people moving there. Those are all froms. You know, one of the jokes I always make is that uh, in Mexico, San Antonio is only known for one, this one shopping center called La Quintera, which is just laughable, right? And so I went, and so I, when I, when I did this speech to them, I said, hey, let me tell you about what we're known for. And then... Let me tell you what I'm going to move you to. And I actually would just tell them because I'm not that dynamic of a speaker. I said, I'm going to move you to this brand. And it's that there's there's things for young people to do. There's urban options now. There is an up and coming tech scene that we're at the center of. And I'm just boom, boom, two, 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 future state, new bliss. And then I said, and now I'm going to tell you a story of why we're doing what we're doing in the tech scene. And for us, it's this story about a company that Rackspace bought in 2008, 2009. And when they bought it, the founders were required to move to San Antonio, but one of the guys wouldn't move. And, and after a lot of negotiating, he sent Graham, our, our chairman, this very famous email that said, I know you're upset about me not moving to San Antonio, but please stop harassing me. I will never move to San Antonio. And here's why. Blah, 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 blah. And so Graham famously said, this is the city we need to build. And so he, and so he started Geekdom, he started the 8020 Foundation, started all these things. And when I told these realtors this, all they remembered was the story of the guy that didn't want to move here, right? This, the story anchored them. And so I was able to tell them about all the stuff that Geekdom had done and all these things we were working about downtown, but they didn't really remember any of the, of the data, you know, which is the, the principle I'll get to next. The story is what I was going to use to move them from there to there. And because I was giving them a no BS from... They were like, this guy knows what he's talking about. And so that's uh, what parts uh, two and three of the of the process. So you, you brought up a, a point there that I want to yeah. just dive into. The from has to be credible, it sounds like. You got you to yes. tell the truth in the from. Yeah, I think I actually think that the from is where you get to get really creative. The, the, because your audience is judging you based on how true and authentic you are. And they can smell BS a mile away. And so if I was going to paint a picture of San Antonio being this rosy, you know, puppy dogs and ice cream, they would have been like, this guy's full of it. But I knew, and, and so what I love about the from is it forces you to have, take a really hard look at the, at the thing you're trying to sell and call out to your audience what you think they're already thinking. And I think that that's where you get to build the most credibility. When I tell people, the Alamo is smaller than you thought it would be. They, everybody laughs every single time. That joke always lands because it's true. It's I didn't make it up. I'm just saying what everybody's thought, but nobody has the guts to say. That's true. The first time I came here, that was yeah. exactly what I thought. Yeah, you're like, oh. Well, and also, and, and the reason for that is because the Alamo, like the part that you saw is the back of the Alamo. Like the whole Alamo is a mission. And so the scale of it's been lost over the years. And so that's why you think that. But people go, I was expecting, you know, like cannons and, you know, like it's, it's busy, and it's kind of there. And then there's a Ripley's, believe it or not, over here, like, What's, what's going on there? And so when you, when you use 
that to your advantage when you're selling an idea and you say, hey, this is the problem right now. And let me go and and really highlight the pain of the problem. You win with so much credibility with your audience. And when we talk about the two, so we got the from has to be true, authentic. What needs to be there in the two in order for it to really resonate? Yeah. So I think that the, the funny thing is a lot of people will tell me, well, what if I haven't solved it yet? Right. And, and I think that to me, uh, my mentor Graham once said that sometimes you have to sell vision before you can sell facts. And so I think that if you're a company, it's okay to say I'm solving world hunger. I haven't solved it yet, but let me tell you the five things I'm doing right now to solve it. See, that's part of your two, because those, those actions are facts. I am spending money and time and resources and ideas on these things. And these are the, the two that I'm actively involved in right now. And so even though I may not have, I might not have created the future state, I can show you the tangible things I'm doing right now today to move you from the from to the two, if that makes sense. And that's the the data part of yeah. Well, the, I would say you know Bill Bill Schley would say it's the facts of the difference. These are the facts. Uh, you know, if I say so, for example, um, our big mission was to create a tech scene in downtown. So fact one, we're building a co working space. So I haven't I haven't declared victory, but we've rented space. We have a bunch of IKEA desks. We have a soda machine. Like like I am in motion, baby. You know, and I can show you that that I'm cold calling meetups and I'm in and I'm hosting hackathons and all of that is activity to move you from no tech scene to hey, they're working on tech scene. Um, seven years later, I get to tell people we've got over 500 companies and 1,800 paying members. But that was after the activity, and so it's. I think it's okay when you're selling an idea to say I want to move you from this current state of crappiness to this area over here, but I haven't got there yet, but let me tell you what I'm doing to get there. I've hired the world's greatest so-and-so to help me, and I've assembled the team that's going to make all these dreams come true. To me, those are authentic things as long as they're true. And it sounds like this would be a format you could just continue to update, and the only thing you really need to update then would be those facts of the difference as you're adding yeah. things. Or, or you can change the story. I think that to me, one of the things that I learned while studying story was that your audience is always the hero. And so when I think about your audience being the hero, if I am a startup, then when I'm pitching the customer, you're my hero and I'm here to solve your problem. If I'm pitching my investors, right, then my story is gonna be completely different than my customers. If I'm pitching, you know, my partners, so I think that you can do this four-part format for every single audience. And sometimes, you know, when you're lucky, it's the same format for all of them. Uh, but what I love about it is it's so easy you can tweak it. And and it just takes kind of, to me, I think that sometimes you just tweak the story. The from and to is, is, uh, stays the same. It, de well, it depends on what you're trying to sell. So let's, let's go over and just recap what these golden rules are and just to kind of get everybody in the mindset of that formula we were talking about at the beginning, knowledge times action equals results. This mm -hmm. is the knowledge part. So we get the, the first golden rule is to always start with a big idea uh, and put that in microscript yes. form, a yes. sen sentence or less. Yes. Uh, then we've got the Duarte method. We're going from to the from needs to be true. Yes. And the two needs to be, here's what we're doing and here's where we're going. Yeah. I think I want to add to that too, because one of the questions that the Duarte team would always ask me is, what does your audience think today? 
And what do you want them to think when they leave? And I think that when you ask it that way, it puts you in their shoes. So the from and to also needs to take into account the mindset. Yes. Switch. Yes. You want to make in the audience. And then finally, we've got the data, which is the facts of the difference. Yeah, I would say I would I would add one thing. I would add story. The What is the story you're going to tell someone to move them from to? And then the data only comes after your story. Okay. So we've got our golden rules. Now, what? If you're listening right now, what I want you to really think about and kind of internalize is there's not a there's not 50 golden rules here. There's <laughs> uh, four, and this is going to come to life in the story that I think you're going to tell right now mm. uh, around how do you put this into action, and you need to be able to put these principles and these golden rules into action almost on the spot. <laughs> and so let's talk about the first time you realized that you needed to deploy this as a strategy, because I, I think everybody who's listening to this is going to have the sweats just going through this with you. Yeah. So t- tell me the story of how you deploy this for the first time. So uh, <laughs> as, as we started, as we were working on building the tech scene in San Antonio, and everybody wanted to know, hey, tell us about the tech scene, right? So I, I would get invited to a lot of events and I got invited to this event it was an internship program called San Antonio Works. SA Works was the name of it. They wanted me to go there and support the event. So I showed up to the event and I thought I was going to do the wave and sit down, right? Smile and wave, like the penguins in Madagascar. <laughs> Smile and wave, boys. I get there and they tell me, oh, um, we're looking forward to your speech. And I was like, jiggle what? And they were like, oh yeah, you're our keynote. And I said, I'm the keynote? And I, and, and I realized that the the county judge was there the mayor was there the city manager was there and when i looked at the agenda they were all speaking before me and i almost wet myself i was i was like and i all the blood drained from my face and so i go to sit down at my table and and the and the weight of hit me i'm like i have to give a keynote but it wasn't just that i was giving a keynote the mayor and the county judge and the city manager you know, the, the, the chief executives of our city were going to see me give the most unprepared speech of my life. And so I freaked out. Now, I always carry a notebook on me because that's just part of my, you know, part of how I live my work life. And so I sat at this table freaking out. And so I wrote. And, and, and so what they told me is I said, we want we tell these kids, these are all high school kids, about your career journey. And I later ended up writing a book about this, which, you know, which... Uh, you so graciously summarized on for your company, the Cilantro Diaries. And this was the first speech I ever gave that was the precursor to my book. And so I wrote on the piece of paper, my career journey. And the from was, you think that you have to be Steve Jobs or a super genius to have a career in tech. And then I put the two was, anybody can be in tech. And then my story was, let me tell you about my story and my personal board of directors. And so I got up there and so I, it, and it was, it was the four part process, the big idea, right? I'm going to tell you about my career journey. The from, you don't have to be Steve jobs or Bill Gates. Anybody can do, have their journey. Let me tell you my journey. And I went on this, you know, 20 minute 
storytelling exercise of I started here. I met these people that ended up becoming my personal board of directors. And through this connection, I got a job at this computer store. And then through this connection, I got a job at Rackspace and I was one of the first hundred employees. And I got to the end and because I was telling in story format, I didn't really get stuck because as I was telling the story, when I would pause, my brain just took over and said, Lorenzo, what's the next part of the story? And then this happened. And then this happened. And so I got up there and I gave this speech, which I thought was going to be a disaster. And it turned out being a really good speech. And actually someone recorded it and put it on YouTube. And so you can actually find it somewhere. And, you know, looking on, looking at it now, I'm like, oh my God, that was horrible. But at the time I felt so confident because I had done my four part process, like at 10 minutes before I got to the podium. (laughs) And I think that's one of the, one of the things that I've noticed spending a lot of time with really successful people. A couple of things. One is that the golden rules that we like we like to call them are very simple. They're straightforward, and you can deploy them in moments of great stress. You yes. you can they cannot be complicated because your brain does not like complicated things in the moment. So when you have ten minutes to prepare a keynote, you better be able to do this quickly while under duress. Yes. Uh, I, I, you know, I also, I totally agree with that. I also want to tell a story about the story, uh, a story about when I, when I realized how powerful storytelling is uh, that I forgot to mention. Let's go, let's do it. So, uh, I forget when it was, but it was, it was, it was like early on in my work at Geekdom in 8020, my boss and I, Graham, well, actually he got invited to this legendary conference in Los Angeles called the X prize visionary conference. And he dragged me along with him. And so I went, it was a day full meeting crazy visionary people like Paul Allen and like, I mean, just people that I should not have been anywhere near, right? I just wanted to be in the corner, not making him look dumb. And so one of the activities of this conference was to break out into teams and to do a grand visioning, you know, uh, let us, let us just brainstorm about grand challenges in the world and how we could solve them. So I was in Graham's group. And so we're pitching these ideas and Graham's idea uh, won in our little group of five. And so he had to go pitch his idea to the big group. So the big group comes together. And so Graham is about to get up on stage and do his little pitch. And before, and I'll never forget this because I felt like I was watching a movie as it was happening. I'm standing behind him. He's about to get up on stage in front of all these crazy, you know, famous, you know, really successful people. And he stops He looks back over his shoulder at me and he says, I have found that people only remember stories. So I'm going to go tell him a story. And then he walked up on the stage and he said, last summer, my sons and I drove all the way from from New Braunfels, Texas to Florida. Drove all the way over there. And the whole time we were driving, my youngest son played Angry Birds on his phone the entire time the entire drive from Texas to Florida. And he said, what if we could make learning as addictive as Angry Birds? And so my grand challenge idea is addictive learning, right? And so he told this story and after he got off stage, his idea smoked everyone else's idea. He was the unanimous winner, but I remember him looking over his shoulder back at me and just going, I have found that people only remember stories. And that is seared into my brain so that whenever I'm giving a talk, his voice literally comes back and goes, people only remember stories. And so to me, when you get to the storytelling part, 
it is what people are only going to remember. And so you can dial up your idea up or down by the amount of awesome you work into that story, right? And so if you want to make people cry, they better be an emotional story, right? If you want it to be hard hitting or if you want to sell an objective story, then, then hey, th- there's a story for every pitch and every equation. His uh, story was perfect for that audience, but it left such a profound effect. It quickly became, you know, rule three for me, you know, and, and I've never deviated because of that story. Yeah. It's a, it's a powerful story. I've, I've heard that one before and I still love hearing <laughs> it, which tells you the power yeah. of a good story and why people watch movies over and over and over again, because stories are addictive. You know, when I, when I think about your equation, what I love about it is that he said this is one of his golden rules. He didn't say it that way, but then he got up on stage and it absolutely, I mean, it, it, it was precision. It worked instantly. You right. I mean, I mean, and everybody just bought in and I went, who's going to argue with that? <laughs> you just can't. Yeah. It's also addictive learning as a really good microscript. Yeah. It's a great microscript. Right. And so, and so, you know, he could have literally said, I'm here to talk about addictive learning and that he would have set the hook. Everyone would have been like, I need to know about that idea. Right. And, and painting the picture about how learning's boring. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't do um, the, the method during that, but his story was enough to carry the pitch. And I think that to me, I need a little bit more structure, which is why I put it together the way that we do. And since then, we both use this this structure. And so whenever he's preparing for a talk, we go through this four-part method every single time. And I think what's so good is it, it's so lightweight that you could do it on the back of a napkin. You could do it on one note card. And I think that I think most of the great pac- practitioners in the world have to be able to distill the things they've learned in a very simple way. And to me, that's what this method has emerged. And it's become to me, it's a very simple way to get good. Uh, not, and it's not just about public speaking and presenting, even though I use them for both. To me, it's really about selling ideas. Let's talk a little bit about that. Cause I, I think the, the formula is a great formula, but some people might get stuck in the idea. Well, this is only for presenting to large audiences. Walk us through maybe one example of you selling an idea to an individual based on this format. Yeah, I, I think that to me, I, um, you know, as I think of a, an example, I I think of the things that I should have done when I was at Rackspace. And so when I think about I was in a company, most of the time, you know, you always say, it's so obvious that we should do A, B, and C. But in reality, is it that obvious? It's only obvious to you because you're on the front lines doing it. And so to me, I think that there are so many changes at Rackspace that I would have done with this format, which is, hey, I have a way to improve our customer's life. I have a way to reduce the time that we enter sales in, right? I have, a, you know, whatever, that's your big idea. And then it's, let me tell you, you know, the sales guys you know, spend an hour entering this thing in and, and imagine if they could do it in two clicks. And by the way, let me tell you a story of a guy who, um, because the process was so long, he lost out on a $10,000 commission check, right? That's, that's very, that's a very visual story. Now here's what we're doing to fix that. This is why we need to do that. To me, that's how you use this format to sell an idea, right? And so you're not, you're not having someone buy a product for you, but you're trying to sell change within your company. And I think that whether it's change within your company, whether it's a nonprofit pitching a donor for funds, you have to put 
your pitch into these four parts in order to actually sell the idea. And what I really love about these four steps, like you said, it, it could be applied anywhere. Yes. And this is a formula for, you know, we're calling it selling ideas, but I think it's a formula for getting what you want. Yes, in that's life. right. Whatever you're doing, you need to convince other people that your way of doing something or your product or I want the kids to go to bed or whatever it is, <laughs> you need to be good at yes. selling that idea and closing the deal. So I, I, I really, really love the simplicity of the format and I've seen you deploy it many, many times. <laughs> you're an amazing presenter and storyteller and you know, just from the, the work that you're doing and all the great things that you're accomplishing, obviously this, this works. Um, and kind of circling back to that, talk a little bit about how you realize that, you know, it's, it's one thing to have an idea and a bunch of rules and how you might do something. It's another thing entirely to know that this works and you've internalized it. When, when did you know that this was the thing? We were using the first four or five years of Geekdom in 8020, we were using bits and pieces of this. And then after we worked with Duarte, like, no, it was actually several years after that, when we started recruiting companies, that's when we started getting very intentional. And so I would say there was a point at Geekdom where we started getting a lot of success. And when I put, I sat down to put together our pitch because the city wanted to know what we were doing. The realtors wanted to know what we were doing. You know, the people moving their families here wanted to know what we were doing. And so I, I had to put it in a presentation. And so when I sat down to do it, I said, well, let's put it in our format that we've been kind of putting together. And so I put it together and it was really kind of our first tech scene presentation. And, 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 and I, you know, I, I should probably link to it in this podcast, but the first like 14 slides of it are this format. It's, I'm going to tell you about the tech scene. I'm going to, and before we talk about the tech scene, let me tell you about our brand. And it's like six slides of bad brand. Let me tell you what the brand I want to tell you about our tech scene. And it's five or six slides of what I want to tell you. And then let me tell you the story. And I have like three or four slides on that story. Before I get to a single data point, I have almost 20 slides of this format. And, and what happens is I look at the audience when I'm going, when I'm walking through this, I realize they're watching a movie with me. They're highly engaged. And so by the time I get to the data, it's not boring them because they know where it fits in my story. And so I think that, I think the answer to your question is when I really started recruiting companies to come to San Antonio, it forced me to put it together. And, and what I realized is that it works. When we pitched a company a person, a recruit that we knew we could win, that, that our value proposition was good for, we won every time. And that's when I knew it worked because I knew we were selling something that was authentic and true. I'll tell you another story um, about the nonprofit world. I was once asked by a, a, very, a, a very amazing fundraiser locally. Uh, it's this woman named Tracy Wolf. And she was pitching the San Antonio Area Foundation for money to build a makerspace on the east side of San Antonio, which is a uh, socioeconomically depressed area. And so she said, you're going to come with me to pitch this. And I said, okay. And so I get into this meeting and I didn't realize, once again, the theme of my career is getting tricked into things. And so I get into this meeting and she's, she, so there's, it's this panel of 10 people that were pitching. And I thought I was there to support her. So she gets in this meeting and she goes, so we're here to talk about uh, funds for this makerspace. 
but I don't know what a makerspace is. I just know those kids on the east side need it. So Lorenzo, take it away. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what? And so I, I was flung. And so what did I do? I pulled out my sheet of paper and I said, we're here to talk about a makerspace. And let me tell you something. The kids on the east side right now, they don't think they're smart enough for a makerspace. They don't even know what a makerspace is. And they think they have to be a super genius in calculus to do a makerspace. And once we do this, they're going to know that tech is easy and that tech is accessible for them. And I said, let me tell you a story. And I didn't have, I've never made, uh, made anything with a makerspace, but I was wearing a ring during this meeting. And so I took off my ring and I said, when you have a makerspace, you can download a program and you can have the dimensions of this ring come up and make a plastic replica of my ring. And so when this kid on the east side is going to come to our makerspace and he's going to download some software, he's going to type in some code he's never done before. And then this 3D printer is going to print out a physical replica of my ring. They're going to know that tech is awesome and cool and it's for them. I didn't have a story. I, I created a story on the fly that was true, right? So everything I was saying was true. And that was my pitch. I literally did the four parts. An hour later, they called us. They said, you won your grant. And to me, it's just another example of I was, I was forced into my pitch again, but I had to go back to my method because I knew it was simple. And I knew that I had to, I had to explain something that none of the people in that room understood. And I had to do it in a simple way. And I had to use a real story that they understood to sell my idea. The incredible thing about that, that story and all the story you've, you've told on, on the show here today is that you were able to deploy that under a lot of pressure, <laughs> right? And this is what, this is what life is. Life is, life yes. is not a nice, quiet room right. where you get to think long and hard it's about all the things, right? It's when, when the, the shit hits the fan. Yes you need to be able to get <laughs> stuff done. So I, I think, um, why don't we finish off here today by talking a little bit about the results that having that mm. method in your arsenal of, of things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis, what, what are some things that you think you could not have done without that? Yeah, I, th I think that one of the most inspiring missions I've ever been a part is to try to be a part of starting a tech scene in San Antonio's downtown, which was dying for, for decades. And I think that when I look at that story, there were a million reasons. There was, you know, a hundred reasons to not do anything downtown. It was, it was unsafe. There was, there's still not a lot of residential down there. So there's certain periods where it's dead. Um, parking's an issue. You know, you've got a lot of vagrants down there. There was all these reasons to not do it. But when we, when we focused our mission when, when we had a real value proposition, when we were genuinely helping people and companies succeed, we had such a great story to tell. But you can have a great story and be a crappy storyteller and no one will ever buy your product. And so we had to go out into the community and sell this idea so that it, we could invite people to participate. And I genuinely think that this format is how we spread the idea that we wanted the whole city to participate in our downtown scene. I think that's what spread to the whole city is this note is the stories of what we were doing and why we were doing it. And I think that to me, that's, what's been so cool, you know, is to see it. And I, and also I think that when you do the format, well, 
it forces you to recognize what stories are not true and that you should stay far away from it. You know, you can't oversell in this format. You can't lie in this format. There's no used car salesmanship in this format because there's, there's checks and balances in here that require you to be true and authentic. And people know when you're being true and authentic. I don't know if that answers your question or not. Yeah, I think I think it does it. And we've come back to this three or four or five times already. But you, you've been able to do this over and over and over again. You didn't have mm. to reinvent the wheel every single time you went to go yeah. tell a story. It allowed you to do it on the fly. You yeah. didn't need to have that story prepared because the structure creates the story. Right. And it, it's, it's simple. It's repeatable. And I, I think one of the things we didn't talk about yet is, and what I want people to notice is that uh, Lorenzo does not have a master's in storytelling. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. he created a master's in storytelling by having a format that allowed him to tell great stories over and over and over again. And that's where that mastery comes from. It's not from consuming all of the books and all of the knowledge available on the planet about storytelling. It's about doing. And I think that's what has impressed me the most about you is your ability to take a small amount of information, turn it into something that you can use and then just get down to work applying it, which is really where that's why you've been able to create all of those results. I think what's so cool about this format is that, you know, and this is probably the real answer to your question is that we've, we've been able to assemble a community of over 500 companies downtown. We've been able to recruit people to recruit companies, to win grants, you know, to win organizations, big companies, remote offices. I think that's what's so cool is the results are we've been able to get wins in every type of category imaginable. And I think that's one of the, the, the things that reinforces how it works. But I also think to your, to your point about storytelling, when I got the privilege to work with the Duarte guys, I asked them, hey, what's, what's the one book you all read? And they all unanimously said, Oh, it's it's story by Robert McGee, and and he has this amazing course on screenwriting. So I read the book, but I'll tell you, it's a it's an amazing book, and it's worth anyone's time to read it. The thing that affected me most in storytelling was Graham's story, not that book. That book gave me a lot of great things to to noodle on and pontificate, but Graham's story actually changed what I did. It changed my tactics. Right, and it was a very simple yes story. Right. So if people want to find out more about who you are and what you do, where should they go? Yeah, uh, geekdomedia.com. And, uh, you know, the, the, the website's a little bit uh, uh, static right now, but we're going to update it. And I think that they will be able to see in shows that we're, that we're helping out with, like this one, really great storytelling. My mission is to do more of these types of things so that people, you know, can, can use these tools in their job and in their, in their company or with their relationships. And I think that that's really um, one of the, the, my new grand mission. You can also read my book, The Cilantro Diaries, Business Lessons from the Most Unlikely Places. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here. Appreciate oh, thanks it. Thanks for having me. Action Path is a production of Geekdom Media in association with Game Day Media Enterprises. Executive producers are Lorenzo Gomez III, John Garcia, Jason Barrera, and Michael Largent. If you want access to summaries and takeaways from hundreds of business books, check out Steve's company, Read It For Me, at readitfor.me. That's readitfor.me. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.